0: Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast, Design and Destiny. I'm Doreen Leckler, and for over 20 years, I've had the privilege and the blessing of empowering organizational leaders, athletes, cancer patients, everyday moms and dads, and purpose-seeking Christians with scientific tools that we now know about how the mind works that align with scriptural truths to release greater God-given purpose and potential by teaching you how. How to Renew and Master Your Mind. Why? Because we know it's the quality of your thinking that determines the quality of your life. So subscribe and join in each week as we discuss topics that will help you live to glorify God, to annihilate negativity in your life, overcome obstacles, and win in life. So last month, I was working with one of my clients. In fact, uh, they ranked 13 on the Fortune 500 list of largest corporations. I was with a group of 60 leaders delivering cognitive tools for mindset, growth, leadership, culture, and so on. And in a sidebar conversation during one of the breaks, one of the participants came up and shared with me a lot about his family and his faith and work and life purposes and so on. Well, after I left a few days later, I'm back in the office and I saw that he had purchased uh, several books Uh, on my Doreen Leckler business corporate website. And I was thrilled when later after that, I received an email from him and he asked me two very important questions. In fact, this is what his email read. He says, hi, Doreen, uh, I've been sharing your teachings and books and I have a question. What do you say to folks that say that you're a name it, claim it Christian? And What do you say to christians that say that your teachings are new age he says goes on to say i do not pick that up from your books or from you personally but i thought i'd ask you now i admit no one's ever actually personally approached me before with those questions but they're very important so i wanted to address his questions with our broader destiny makers community with the caveat that my responses today are far, far from exhaustive. In fact, I could actually write an entire book on each of his inquiries. So for the sake of time and your attention, I'm going to take kind of a broad brush, bullet point approach to the subjects. So let me begin first by addressing the question of whether what I write, teach, promote, broadcast comes from New Age thinking. Well, first of all, Let me say this and put this out there. I do not personally believe that all that science or philosophy tells us or purports to be true is God's truth. All that science tries to tell us is truth. It's not necessarily God's truth, but what is true belongs to and originates from God. Jesus Christ is the expression or manifestation of that truth, capital T, truth. According to John 14, 6, where he declares, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Second point, you know, through the ages, God has given wisdom, insight, revelation, truth for discoveries to individuals in multiple disciplines, even if they didn't have a fear of the Lord. These discoveries have been used both positively and negatively in the hands of men and women. That's um, been used scientifically, politically, educationally, and you know, quite frankly, even religiously. My third point would be this, just as we don't think twice about going to medical professionals in other fields of biology, like heart doctors or eye doctors, or um, I don't know, foot doctors or what have you, you know, we don't think twice about going to medical professionals in other fields to help us with our physical health. The technology we now have behind mental health, cognitive functioning and the brain it's solid and it's a burgeoning field of research and discovery. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong or new age about taking care of our temple bodies and seeking well-being in our chaotic and very polarizing world. In fact, the church by and large, at least the Western church, has been relatively silent about the importance of health and wellness as a celebration of the gift of life that God's given us. Fourth, God cares about how we think. I'm sure if you've tuned in or you you have read anything that, that I have written, you have heard me say this again and again and again. The Bible references over 1700 mentions about the mind, the heart, beliefs, thinking, wisdom, revelation, the tongue, what we speak, which is the verbal expression of thought. Why? Because we know that All your behaviors, your decisions, your actions, your attitudes, they begin first in the mind with thought. You know, I say it in in each podcast introduction, it's the quality of your thoughts that determine the quality of your life. King Solomon in Proverbs 4.23 said it this way, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. There's nothing new age about that. My fifth point would be this, and this is important, and it's the big distinction to his question. Much of where the self-help industry gets into the new age is where they omit or deny the existence and sovereignty of God. They make the individual their own God, if you will, or the sole designer of their life. And while they may express some of the teachings of Jesus, they don't acknowledge his redemptive work as the son of God on the cross as an exchange for our sins. His blood that has repaired sin's damage by making us righteous through him and him alone, they omit or deny the divinity of Christ and the triune nature of God as father, son, and spirit. So, In a new age context or in the self-help industry, their goals and their objectives for life or what they call self-actualization, they're really based more on personal whims or desires at that moment rather than acknowledging, um, discerning, and obediently following the will and purposes of God. God made us in his image and likeness to have an intimate relationship with him and to be fruitful in fulfilling our God-given potential and purpose that's in Genesis while displaying his glory in the earth. So in Christ, we are co-laborers, not soul laborers in fulfilling our purpose for the work of God. And this is the key point of distinction I make in my Christian destiny living e-course. The three points, the three foundations upon which that whole curriculum is built is this. Number one, you can't walk in the fullness of your destiny if you don't have an accurate view of your identity let me say it again. You cannot walk in the fullness of your destiny if you don't have an accurate view of your identity. And most of us in many areas of our life have inaccurate thinking, inaccurate thoughts in our subconscious mind about who, what kind of person we are, what we're good at, what we're not, and so on and so forth. So that's the first foundation. The second foundation is this. You won't have an accurate view of your identity if you don't understand, assess, and manifest the inheritance that you have personally, uniquely, specifically been given by God to fulfill it. In other words, your God-given potential. If you underestimate your ability, you will underestimate your identity. And the third is this, which is the huge distinction, because quite frankly, in the marketplace, we don't call it identity, we call it self-image. We don't call it inheritance, we call it potential. So we talk about those things, but here's the third and most important distinction. You will never envision or grasp the vastness of the potential that you possess if you don't have an intimate abiding relationship in the one who made you in his image and likeness. If you don't know who God is, how can you know who you are made in his image and likeness? And so, no, my teachings and what I say are not new age. They're totally grounded in the essence of who God is and his intentions for us as found in the word of God. This last uh, point about having to abide in the essence of the one who made us an image and likeness, this is the foundational factor for our growth and development, as the scriptures call it, growing from glory to glory, that secular new age programs don't address. You know, it's interesting, science claims, they'll tell us that we have an unlimited capacity to grow and change. They simply can't explain the font or the source of that potential. They just don't know where it comes from. My e-course, my Christian e-course, Destiny Living, it delivers that holistic, comprehensive understanding of who God is and how fearfully and wonderfully made we are, how he's made us. See, in Christ, our growth isn't new age. It's not self-actualization. It's the process of sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I hope that some of those points, uh, maybe perhaps, answered some of that. But again, it's such a broad topic. But let me move on as and get to his question about whether or not I'm uh, name it and claim it um, kind of theology or person. And my first point would be this: I have to be honest with you. I'm not really fully or personally familiar with that theology, and so. I have an idea of what that might be but my picture of what that means and someone else's picture or idea of what that means may not be the same. So if and when that kind of thing comes up, or anytime we get into labels, I typically will ask someone before I answer to describe the picture that they have. Because I don't want to lock myself into an answer before I understand if we're aligned in our thinking. So. We know from science that words create pictures in the mind. I mean, think about it. Words are just simply symbols, letters in our case, that are arranged in a particular order. And we associate them with pictures. That's how we learn to read growing up. So words create pictures in the mind. Um, When I'm working um, either in Christian sectors or corporate sectors, I'll use the example of the word home, home. So for some, the picture of home, it might conjure up memories and emotions of warmth, uh, laughter, safety, love, um, and so on. But for another, it might conjure up memories and emotions of fear or abuse or loneliness, scarcity, shame. So what name it and claim it connotes for one may be completely different depending on what you've experienced or how you were conditioned to believe that. Does it come with a negative connotation or does it come with something that's more um, positive or um, aligned with scripture? So for any of you with concerns around this, I would really welcome your very specific questions, either by email or in the comments below. But let me go on now to the second point, which is once I understand what their perception is of that, then I would say this, that, be, that being said, I believe God is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. Happiness is it's fleeting. And it's usually based on circumstances. It's an emotion that, you know, is really based on the situations around us. Whereas holiness, it's eternal. And it's based on God's nature that he invites us into through the blood of Christ Jesus. So if name it and claim it means getting what I want in order to have an easier, happier life, then I'd say that's really not aligned with God's nature or God's word, or Jesus' ministry, or kingdom principles as taught in scripture. But if if it means declaring the word of God over my circumstances, focusing not on what's seen, but what's unseen, um, rather than being held captive under my circumstances, well, then I'll claim the word of the Lord every time, leaving the outcomes to God. I will claim the word of God over my circumstances, focusing on the unseen rather than locking myself under my circumstances. My third point would be this. I would also say that the church has been there have been extremes on both ends of the spectrum that I believe are wrong and they don't accurately reflect what we find in scripture. See, God is all about fruitfulness according to the talents that we've been given. When God said, let us make man, Adam, in our image and likeness and let them have dominion over the earth and be fruitful and multiply, fruitfulness is part of the assignment or expectation God has for us. And he's given each one of us certain gifts and talents to accomplish this purposes he has for us. On top of that, Jesus declared that he came to bring us abundant life. And he also said many things about receiving good gifts from his father, having not because we ask not, asking anything in his name so his father may be glorified and so on. I mean, I could list numerous verses and the epistles also have examples as well. But wealth and comfort is only wrong wrong for some, if that's where your heart is centered and your trust resides. Jesus said, you know, it's easier, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. See, Jesus didn't have to say that to everyone, but he said it to that young man. Jesus always spoke to the individual's heart. So I don't believe it's wrong to profess the desires of your heart or to be blessed with, say, wealth per se, as an example. It's really more nearly about where we place our trust and our security. And that's what God desires to refine in us every time. The fourth point I would make about uh, this name it and claim it is that, you know, there's a great mystery between God's sovereignty and the responsibility authority free will that he's designed in our dna it's almost like a paradox and certainly a mystery and i talk a lot about this paradox in destiny living what it is how it shows up how we typically respond to it how to handle it effectively and why it matters my belief is that the fallen mind the fallen mind struggles in the balance of paradox see we tend to kind of lean one way or the other and research tells us that the mind cannot hold two conflicting thoughts appearing at the same time for very long without tension or anxiety eventually arising in our system in our body we'll tend to lock onto one set of information and lock out the other but in christ he holds all things together. He is the center that holds each side of paradox together. The cross, right? I love it. He holds all things together perfectly. So on this side of life, we must ultimately conclude that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. I mean, if we want the peace that passes all understanding, then we have to relinquish our need to control and understand. We won't fully until we're reunited with Christ. And we have to learn how to live in the mystery or be willing to handle the mystery. In the meantime though, our role, which is described in scripture is to renew the mind. Our role is to renew the mind so that we might know the will of God, his good, pleasing and perfect will, as it says in Romans 12. And of course, you know, I've talked about that a lot. The renewed mind is the mind of Christ. And we always, we are to always, to the best of our ability, align our thinking and our speech with what God says about himself, our identity, and the authority he's placed within us through his spirit. Our job is to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, which is the will of God. We're to think as God thinks, and we are to speak as God speaks, not as our circumstances dictate. So through intimate abiding with the Lord, just spending time with him, just for no other reason than just the fear of the Lord and the delight of being in his presence, through prayer, uh worship, studying, serving, fellowship, we allow the work of the spirit to make us more into the image of Christ. And as we align our thinking with the will of God, Jesus tells us that we can ask for what we desire because God's desires have become ours. This is the key point. Name it and claim it in my view isn't just deciding that you want something, although I don't think God minds if you just you know pray a prayer of hope boy god i really could use a new car i really could use a new you know refrigerator or whatever i don't think he's offended by that but what the i believe really what the scriptures tell us is this that as we align our thinking with the will of god as we take every thought captive to make it obedient to christ As we know the word of God, not just in our head, but in our heart, so that we automatically respond to life circumstances with the word of God. Jesus tells us we can ask for what we desire because our desires will be God's desires. They'll become one. We are one, as Jesus told us, if we remain in him and his word remains in us. In other words, our declarations are proclamations, our decrees, our binding and loosening will reflect the heart of the Father and the mind of Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't think and speak according to our earthly circumstances. We focus on what is unseen and eternal, the principles and promises of the kingdom of God. And my last point on this would be this. We don't control God. We are not his boss. We walk out our salvation, as the scriptures tell us, with fear and trembling, trusting that God is lovingly preparing us for our eternal purpose on earth as it will be in heaven. Well, friends, I'm grateful for my new friend's courage and boldness to ask these questions as well as the opportunity it gave me to sit and write and articulate and answer him back and to, you know, delve deep into my own heart and then be able to share it with you. And, you know, I just want to clarify over this entire kind of destiny living podcast that that my objective is to glorify God through my life and accurately to the best of my earthly ability reflect his nature and his heart for his creation. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and I welcome every contribution you can make to this conversation. So feel free to add them to the comments below uh, and click on the link below for my free ebook. It's free, my gift to you, Seven Essential Steps to Growing God Receive your destiny and win in life. God bless you. I hope to see you next week.